Hi there, and welcome to the Man in the Van podcast, your regular audio drive time companion, where our main aim is education through a conversation. Through our conversations, delve deep into all things related to the tradesperson contracting community, from news to education to industry happenings, helping you do better business while building a better and improved South African tradesmen and women contracting community. Thanks for tuning in. Let's start the conversation. A warm welcome to our audience. My name is Willem Klopper. I am your host, and this episode is part one of a conversation in which we discuss occupational health and safety. The objective of this conversation is to determine what OHS entails, how it applies to employers, and more specifically, how it applies to the plumbing industry. We will also discuss what the consequences are of not complying with the OHS Act and what measurements must be in place for employers to comply. Now, with me in studio, I have Chris Kutsia. Just before we give our guests the opportunity to introduce themselves, let's hit the brakes. We'd like to remind our audience that this episode is proudly brought to you by Articulate It Plumber. Chris, welcome to the studio. Just before I fire away with all of the other questions that I have for you, uh, would you care to please introduce yourself to the audience? Thank you very much, Willem. Uh, my name is Chris Gutsia, and I'm the owner of OHS Savvy Consulting. It is a health and safety consulting firm based out of Haribesburg Dam, and I work in and around the Gauteng area personally, as well as in KZN and Cape Town. Chris, can you just tell us um, your your involvement um, or OHSS's involvement specifically in the plumbing sector or the plumbing industry? Well, back in 2017, IOPSA and myself got together. I became the OHS practitioner. Basically, what that meant was I would assist IOPSA in uh, different related health and safety perspectives. With all their members, we designed and developed uh, different management systems such as free health and safety files, uh, training implementation, as well as mentorship programs. And this we basically educated uh, the plumber, the man in the van, basically, uh, to take health and safety, uh, make it real for themselves, but also giving them practical knowledge and understanding of how to take health and safety to the next level. Chris, and, and you, you also... Um present some of the the morning the early morning webinars if i'm correct that's correct Willem. on a tuesday morning from 7 a.m we've got the weekly toolbox talk uh, where we discuss various health and safety uh, related topics we try and look specifically at uh, industry required topics so when we talk about anything to do with health and safety we really focus on the plumbing industry or the built environment as a whole and what plumbers can do practically to implement that type of advice that we give to them. Chris, getting back to OHSS, your company, um, very briefly, just when was it established? It was established in early 2017. All right, Chris, so, so very briefly, what exactly does occupational health and safety entail? Well, what it entails, Willem, is providing for complete risk mitigation. That is uh, really eliminating as far as possible incidents and accidents to humans, to people. And that's what we're trying to do is prevent incidents. And if incidents happen, prevent the reoccurrence of these incidents. And this ensures sustainability of health and safety. This is really what health and safety should entail. 
Chris, does does occupational health and safety apply to only certain industries or only certain types of occupation? And and in in what way does it does it apply to the plumbing industry for that matter? Well, for the first question there, Willem, it doesn't apply uh, to every single occupation. It really determines your scope. Uh, but the Health and Safety Act of 1993, this is the Act 85 of 1993, applies to every single company. And every employer in their own right has a legal duty to implement this specification or this uh, Occupational Health and Safety Act. But based on the Act, there are additional 22 regulations as well as various SAN standard or SABS approved standards that need to be implemented. So for the uh, second question there on the plumbing industry, every single plumbing company is an employer in their own right. And thus the OSH Act, uh, all 50 sections of the OSH Act, applies to every single plumbing company. However, if a plumbing company also moves into a construction site, uh, then the construction regulation will affect them. If they work with asbestos, uh, then the asbestos regulation becomes part of their scope. And so we can then take a look at what we call a legal register for each company and determine what scope of work, which legislation and regulation applies to them. Uh, but ultimately, the OSH Act will be enforced for every company in SA. Chris, uh, we, we often hear um, the acronym SHE or S-H-E. And now that stands for, for Health, Safety and Environment. How does that environment part uh, apply to specifically the plumbing industry? Well, if you take a look at environment itself, we often think of nature, flora and fauna and animals and things like that. But really there are two parts to environment. Uh, we've got in South Africa what we call the environmental regulations. Now, this is not just flora, fauna, and animals. Uh, there's the first aspect of E in she, and that environment really stands for the working environment that we place ourselves or our employees or even our customers and visitors uh, of our sites into. This environment would entail uh, the ventilation uh, the correct lighting of that environment, uh, the ensuring of correct fire procedures. So really environment in this aspect is a safety environment that we are working in. Uh, we wouldn't really call it a workplace as such, uh, but the environment around us that has an impact uh, or exposure to our health. Uh, the second element or second part to that would then also include nature in terms of animals, flora and fauna. So if you think of something as simple as disposal of human waste, there's the first aspect of environmental impact on us in terms of a biological hazard uh, on our illness because it has the ability to create the disease. But the second part is if it is not disposed of correctly in the plumbing industry, we could pollute the natural environment around us. And so she uh, in this aspect would stand for both parts, looking after the environment in terms of human health and safety, as well as natural health and safety of flora, fauna and animals. Just before we continue the conversation, it's time to hit the brakes again. Don't forget to download the all new and improved App Plumber from the Google Play Store. All your plumbing solutions are just a click away, exclusively for Android users. Welcome back. To continue our discussion, I would like to ask the following question. Chris, in, in many instances, 
um, occupational health and safety is taken for granted. Uh, the the perspective from employers uh, from from employers is that OHS should be an obvious thing, um, as if employers expect employees and and guests to their to their sites or their workplace or work environment to apply a certain level of logic and common sense to prevent injury or illness or death or disability or you know incidents from happening. Uh, very briefly, please please just tell us what does the uh, the OHS Act say about that, and what are the what are what are its expectations of employers? What measurements must be in place, etc. The first thing we have to understand, Willem, is the OSH Act as such is the minimum requirements in terms of health and safety. And so, on a scale of one to ten, if a company is implementing the OSH Act to the minimum degree, you're on a level one. And so there's so much room for improvement. And this is something we do have to understand. Common sense and logic and prevention of illness, injury, death or disability uh, should really come as we're growing up. I mean, we get taught this uh, in school. Before you cross a road, look left and right. It's common sense, but it also protects health and safety. Uh, Washing your hands would be another form of hygiene, uh, which also falls under health and safety. But when we take a look at the Act, it specifically outlines requirements in terms of liability uh, for an employer and responsibility for an employee. And it gives very specific guidelines. Again, remembering it's just minimum requirements. And so if that's not in place, this body of proof is not in place for us, we won't be able to then provide or maintain uh, safety for our employees. And so it's not really mandatory or obligatory for any employee. It's not just a legal requirement. It is just the minimum. And so we should really be trying more of a best practice approach in terms of health and safety. So things like Section 8 of the OSH Act, defining the duties of employers to the employees, they will outline things like training the employees. And they often say, if you don't train them, you cannot blame them. Uh, providing uh, and maintaining PPE. Uh, if you think of something very simple, Willem, if I gave you a pair of gloves, you would know how to put them on. Now, we're not saying anybody doesn't know how to do that. But is there some sort of document to prove that I've not only issued it to you, but also trained you on how to use them? And if that is not in place, well, then we are omitting to do something in terms of safety. And so this goes with every aspect, Uh, first aid, health and safety representatives, the entire file or management system, even simple things like just inspecting our site or providing weekly or monthly toolbox talks to our employees. And then it goes into the deeper things where if there is an incident or an accident, what is the procedure to follow? Have we uh, followed that procedure? And then what documentation do we have to adequately provide uh, for the prevention of the reoccurrence of these incidents and accidents? You know, I, I go back to to uh, my statement where I said in many instances, uh, employers expect employees um, to apply logic and common sense uh, to prevent incidents from occurring. Mm. Um, you know, but if you haven't trained them correctly and you just expect them to... to you know, it's your expectation as an employer that they must work with certain tools, for an example. And and now they they don't necessarily, because you as an employer, 
you know how to operate a, a tool or a machine, uh, whatever the case may be, and and you you mm. naturally assume that your employee will also know exactly how to use it. But you haven't, and for that reason, you may um, omit to to the training part where you train him and specifically make him aware of the risks that are involved uh, in using a specific tool and the correct way of using a tool. You know, he may be using uh, 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 pliers and he may, uh, you know, pinch pinch his 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 thumb and and and, and injure his thumb and and, and eventually it may lead to infection, and and uh, that thumb may be, you know, amputated for that matter. We we as employers, we never think that far, and we when we, it's not as we never think that far, but <laughs> you know, it's many mm-hmm. employers don't. Many employers don't think that far, and they always think, you know, it, it's such a simple thing; it can never happen. Mm-hmm. And if it does, you know, can it uh, can it escalate into something as big as a thumb being amputated just because the guy used a, p- a pliers incorrectly? Um, so I think the importance and uh, of of this conversation is to to bring across to employers out there that you know. These are very important things. Ultimately, your perspective as an employer should be the safety um, and the health, the well-being of your employees, mm. as well as your your you know your guests to your work site, mm. and, and and you know members of the general public who may be uh, affected by what the kind of work that you do. Is that correct? Definitely. Uh, if you take a look at uh, just again section eight, um, yeah, I'm going to point out section eight point two B. It specifically requires every employer uh, to take steps. Now, steps obviously meaning a continual process, and again, it's reasonable and practical uh, to eliminate or mitigate hazards or potential hazards. So this is ultimately eliminating the possibility that somebody will ex- be exposed to a risk because of the task that they are performing. So in plumbing, if they were to perform any task, there must be steps that have been put in place. And this must be documented steps. We can't just go back and say, but I did do it. We just don't have the documents for it. You have to prove it by means of a system. And that system really is essentially a health and safety file. But it mustn't be a dead document. It mustn't be a document in a file not really doing anything. Uh, We like to call... Um, our files, live files. A live is a living, breathing thing showing that health and safety is an ongoing, continuous implementation of these steps as outlined in uh, Section 8.2b. Sure. Um, you know, I'm thinking of something, you know, we mentioned PPE, a personal protective equipment, um, and the... the uh, the responsibility of the of the of the employer to provide that to the to the employers and also give them the training the correct training on how to correctly um, apply and use the PPE. You know, I'm thinking in plumbing in plumbing. You know, you you work with human waste. Um, uh, the you know the, the the it may cause illness if 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 a drop of human waste uh, spatters into your eye for that matter. You, you know, you can get illness, a disease, some kind of a disease uh, can can happen to you if if you don't if you're not wearing the correct personal protective gear. Um, and 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 again, I want to reiterate the fact that there are so many employers out there who just don't think 
that these small little incidents um, can actually happen or will actually happen, or they, they think to themselves, ah, oh, so what? It's a drop of human waste that's spattered into, somebody, uh, in, into somebody's eye. Will it really cause a disease? I, I, you know, I, I keep. I know that I keep repeating myself, but it, it, it's a fact that so many people, so many employers out there, really don't think of worst case scenario. I fully agree with you, Willem. In fact, uh, we take a look at risk in terms of five basic elements, um, and PPE is always the last element, or what we like to say, the last line of defence. And so when you mentioned that illustration of uh, a plumber working and having some sort of fecal matter touching their face, it meant that the PPE didn't work. Basically what that is, is a huge red flag for someone like myself in health and safety, because that tells me that there were four other strong elements that also failed before the PPE failed and that person was exposed uh, to that biological hazard. And so looking in risk mitigation, risk assessments, training, uh, supervision, adequate you know, resources in order to do that job uh, safety, uh, safely as well as uh, in terms of looking after your health. All of those have to come even before PPE was introduced to that task. And so when PPE fails, it's really a huge flag for us to say that the employer really hasn't taken a very stern look at what other elements, the practical elements that should have been in place before that last domino fell. And really, if we are always only relying on PPE as the last line of defense for our employees, we are going to continually have the reoccurrence of incidents and accidents and potentially even fatalities or catastrophic incidents uh, like we're hearing about all the time. Just before we continue the conversation, it's time to hit the brakes again. Plumber training has never been easier with articulated plumber courses. Enroll now to upskill yourself at your own pace and earn CPD points. Our informative and easy to follow courses can be found on iopsatraining.co.za. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Articulated Plumber. Welcome back. Chris, um, you mentioned just before we started recording that there's an incident that occurred two weeks ago, um, and it had something specifically to do with uh, with with plumbing. Um, would you care to share that with the audience? Sure. So there was a huge storm, um, obviously out in the Hammonds Kraal area on the 20th of November. This was a Friday. What had happened was the storm had blown a few barricades of one of the construction sites. And a few of the youngsters in that uh, area, or in the Hammondskral area, uh, decided to go in and start swimming uh, in one of the trenches that had filled up with water. Now, it's believed uh, that during that time, uh, three young boys drowned. Uh, there's two 10-year-old boys and one 9-year-old boy. And then again on the Monday, this was on the 24th, another boy uh, had died who, again, managed to get into this construction site uh, walked into the storm water trench that had filled up with water after the storm, and they also drowned. And you can just see the total negligence on the part of the contractor here, because it's so clear that they did not take the necessary precautions to ensure that there was adequate access control to the site to prevent uh, something like this from even happening. 
uh, if you dig a trench, if you dig excavation, there's so much regulations that go around protecting yourself and those around that uh, environment while working. But then they don't think about what happens on Friday when you go home and you only come back Monday morning. What is happening between those two days? Just because you are not on site, are you really taking a look at that site as a potential hazardous for the environment uh, that you are in and for the people in that location? And so very sad that, you know, parents have to lose their children uh, because of negligence on the part of a contractor. In fact, you know, the mayor of Twane, uh, Mr. Randall Williams, he basically said that he considers this to be huge negligence uh, on the contractor's part. And if they discover instances of poor safety or failure to provide adequately or secure sites, Uh, that the city will deal with contractors very harshly on this. And I know we are going to uh, have that question a little late in the show, uh, Willem, on what are the consequences of omitting to do something in terms of health and safety. But really we can see here anything that gets done by the state to persecute or to penalize this contractor really pales into insignificance when we think of the real cost of this negligence. And that's the loss of four children's lives. That's really where we should be focusing. Chris, it, it, it again boils down to that that could have uh, been prevented. You know, if, 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 the, if the contractor took the responsibility of, of taking and putting into place the necessary measurements such as risk analysis and hazard identification, etc., of the site itself, not only to, 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 to protect their own employees who work on the site and, and in the workplace environment, but also those uh, you know, who may also be in the surrounding areas, the general public who may be affected by it. Just before we say goodbye, it's time to hit the brakes one last time. We'd like to encourage our audience to follow Articulated Plumber on Instagram and Facebook, not only to find out more about the Man in the Van podcast, but also to learn more about any exciting and interesting news that we may have. Our handle on both Instagram and Facebook is Articulated Plumber. Chris, I want to ask you, 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 you mentioned that, you know, uh, the OSH Act do not apply necessarily to all types of, of occupation and it depends on the risk involved, etc. So at what point does the OSH Act indeed apply to an employer? Does it, does it involve that employer must have a certain number of employees or, again, do we look at when, when the type of work that is being done has a certain level of risk associated with it? Basically, the OSH Act applies to every company within South Africa, uh, but a smaller company, perhaps only with one or two employees, only certain sections of the OSH Act will apply. So it won't apply in its entirety. Uh, so I can give an illustration or an example of this for a company who doesn't have more than 20 employees. Section 17 and 18 of the OSH Act outlines what a health and safety representative's duties are. And it states that a health and safety representative must be elected or nominated in a company once you reach 20 employees. So for a company that doesn't have 20 employees, uh, they don't necessarily need to abide by those sections. Uh, Section 18 and 19 then uh, assists us in understanding as soon as you have two safety reps, so now probably you've got maybe 50 to 100 employees, you've got two reps, now you have a health and safety committee. But really the OSH Act itself 
in terms of Section 7 for health and safety policies, Section 8, duties of an employer, and Section 14, duty of employees, applies to every company, regardless of how many employees they have. But there is a sliding scale on scope, risk, and then factors such as how many employees would depend on what other functions they would provide. Uh, you know, uh, it, it boils down to the fact that I think that every type of occupation has some level of risk associated with it, um, especially plumbing, especially plumbing. You know, but but just to give one example, Chris, if it's something that I was thinking about now, you, you're looking at ergonomics. You, you may think that person sitting behind the desk, your lady who may be doing your admin at the office, your receptionist at your at your at your plumbing shop or wherever the case may be. You you may think that you know that specific job doesn't not have uh, any any risk associated with it. But then again, if you look at ergonomics and and that person for eight years sit behind that desk and this the chair that the lady is sitting on may be skewed, it may cause back problems. Um, you know for for that person um so 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 i i fully fully agree with what you're saying that the osh act applies to to every employer and every type well in, in my opinion sorry chris but it does apply to every type of it can apply to to most type of work that people do um because i think that everything has a risk if you if you're sitting skew with your back skew for eight years eight hours a day every day um, people don't necessarily think that that can cause back problems, but it can. And it's not necessarily because the person bent down and picked up something heavy and then, oh, the back popped out and, and now they have back problems. No, it's because of the fact that they sat skew on a skew uh, in proper chair and that is what led to to long-lasting back problems. Correct. And that's that's why we have these regulations that are attached to the OSH Act. Um, as I mentioned, there's 22 other regulations. And so dependent on the scope of work you're performing or where you are, uh, one of these regulations might also apply to you. And you rightly mentioned the ergonomics regulations, which just recently been revised. And that's going to now be the basis of our risk assessments for the future. In fact, all our risk assessments have changed just in the past seven months due to covid and so we need to implement the biological risk of COVID on people, you know, cross-contamination. And so that's become a huge factor for the health and safety industry. And the next one is going to be ergonomics-related incidents and accidents uh, because that hazard is very real. And we have really just scratched the surface of how important it is to have health and safety in every factor of our business uh, because many of us have it for our plumbers going out on site but it's not really being implemented in the office, in the administration area as well. Correct. I mean, something as, 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 as simple as incorrect lighting in the office may lead to, uh, you know, eye problems. And, and, and employees or employers, you know, they should, they should start thinking. You know, they should, they should start changing their perspective of, of um, uh, occupational health and safety. Chris, Thank you for having joined us in studio today and uh, for the valuable, or shall I rather say, the invaluable information that you've shared with, with the audience out there today. I think that you've answered quite a few questions that many employers out there have and, and even many employees have. Um, I want to remind the audience, thank you first of all for, to the audience for having listened 
and tuned into this specific episode. I'd like to remind the audience that this is only part one of the uh, conversation that we are having around occupational health and safety. And please do tune in for the next episode and the part two of the conversation uh, around occupational health and safety. And once again, thank you to everybody. Finally, it's time to switch off this engine. Cheerio. Man in the Van podcast, your regular audio drive time companion. 